This is Docs in the Box podcast. A podcast about medicine, muscles, and more through the eyes of two physiatrists. I'm Dr. Amy West. And I'm Dr. Matthew Cowling. Docs in the Box podcast. Today we have Ron Torrance II. Ron is a a sports medicine physician who does a lot of um, regenerative medicine down in Florida. Welcome, Ron. Thanks. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you guys. Can you tell us, just introduce yourself quickly um, and let us know a little bit about how you got started, you know, in CrossFit? So, yeah. So when when I actually went off to do my inter... Actually, so let's flash, let's flash back to like 2011. A buddy of mine, we were doing a lot of TRX and we were, we were in a, a makeshift like racquetball court that they were doing TRX in. And he's like, I got this new thing, man. It's, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's like you do things for time and, and it's competitive and we're going to go ahead to head doing pushups, running, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, you're going to love it. So, so we started doing that like 2011. Uh, I remember actually doing like a, a, one open workout that I did first that I remember was seven minutes of burpees. Right. And that was the first open workout that I did. And I don't think I finished the open that year, which is like, I think the only time since, since I started in 2013, really hardcore that I didn't complete an open. Uh, I know the, the first workout was at seven minutes of burpees. I think I got not a 102 or something, which is like pathetic. Um, but then, but then I, I did the, the snatch workout was, it was like 30 snatches at 95, 30 snatches at 135. Then it was like 30 snatches at 165. And you guys should see my video of me doing snatches at 165 at that point. I, I got 62, I think. And, and those two snatches at 165 were a struggle, struggle bus. And that's when I started. So it was a racquetball court in Sarasota when I was going through med school. And I just wanted to get an hour workout to get myself really, you know, jacked up. You know, I got, get a good workout, be fit, right? And how far did you go? So were you actually a regional athlete or you're pretty competitive though? Ron's a freak athlete for you guys that don't know. So, so yeah, so I started then. So I flash forward to 2013. I went off to my internship and I really wanted to, again, uh, maximization of time being a physician. It's you got to get your workout in when you can. I'm sure Amy, you and Matt can agree here. And uh, it's, it's something where you get it in and, and it's uh, after it, you, you left, you left feeling, you know, like you accomplished a lot. So uh, 2013, I started at CrossFit Aspire in Cherry Hill, New Jersey during my internship. And from there, I bounced around and then I bought a place in Philly. And that's where I, I really went into CrossFit love. And they, they had been to regionals three of the past uh, three of the past three years. And then uh, so I helped the 2016 team get to regionals. Yes. So I was an alternate. I uh, didn't actually, I was the number two guy, but I, I didn't have the highest snatch numbers. So I didn't get picked for the team that year. So it was a little disappointing, but uh, yes, I should have been on that team. They took, I think we took ninth that year, but. So what made you decide to buy a CrossFit box or to get involved with that after you just started kind of doing it casually while you were in medicine? Yeah. So it, it's, it just was a natural progression. It was something where as a physician, you become a leader and people would look up to me and, and those kind of things. So it was something where the owner was looking to have somebody join his, his, uh, 
leadership team and ownership and and that's how uh, uh, my fiance uh dr abby perone and myself ended up buying into crossfit love so how are you able to incorporate what you were doing professionally with owning and operating a gym great question so one of the one of the things is movement is medicine right so I've seen a lot of people talk about how if they're not moving, they feel bad. I think was, I just saw a Hemsworth quote, Chris Hemsworth, he, when he doesn't work out for two to three days, he starts feeling achy and feeling sore. And it's the truth. If you don't do exercise or you don't move your body, it, it feels worse, I feel like. And, and that's how I incorporate it in my work is because too many times anymore, the, the physician that's being seen, the patients that are being, you know, seeing that they're, they're not emulating, they're not being a definition of health, right? You want to lead by example. And that's what my, my father always told me. You lead by example, then other people will try to emulate you and, and become like you. So if you can show them a, a picture of what health should look like, that's how you incorporate CrossFit principles into day-to-day life. A uh, 95-year-old, um, you know, grandma she needs to be able to pick up her groceries and be able to functionally move her body. And that's how you incorporate CrossFit into your everyday life. Now, in your practice currently, you do a lot of regenerative medicine, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what are some implications for regenerative medicine in, you know, in CrossFit or, you know, even with other athletes who are injured or people who just have, um, you know, day-to-day overuse injuries? So it's a, it's a great question. So you know, tendonitis, tendinosis, there's, there's more studies that come out every day that showing that PRP, platelet-rich plasma, is far superior in almost every study that I've seen right now, you know, whether it's mild knee arthritis, whether it's lateral epicondylitis, there's, there's more evidence out there now that PRP, platelet-rich plasma, does fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of studies, a lot of registry data now backing that up. Now, the problem is it, it that the industry is very practice-based and I'm sure uh, Matt or Amy can tell you is that hey listen everybody has their kind of like their special you know knee steroid injection okay we'll you use like you know one milligram of Kenalog or you know it's like every person has you know uh, triamcinolone or what what they're using you know I know I know Matt you're you're involved with a lot of uh, physiatry and, and you do a lot of injections and Amy I know you, I think you, you do a fair share of injections too Amy correct so yeah yeah that's probably what I do yeah. So it's something that, you know, everybody has their kind of different, like secret sauce, secret potion. And that's the, the, the problem with regenerative is that you need to have that science basis where you, you give somebody amoxicillin, you give them, uh, you know, 500 milligrams twice a day, or you give them a thousand milligrams twice a day, you give them a prescription. Well, with platelet rich plasma or any kind of regenerative medicine, that, that, science isn't necessarily always followed and, and the studies aren't very quality. They're not very done very well. Some of the studies, and that's really why you see such variation. And there's a lot of people who don't think it works, but it does work. And there are a lot of studies that show that. So rotator cuff, uh, little partial tears, little small, little, uh, issues there do fantastic with pillar rich plasma. Uh, there's bone marrow aspirate concentrate where your body has its, its live, you know, your live stem cells, um, you can use MFAT or, or lipogems is a, is a very popular uh, microfragmented fat, which is, is been shown to do a lot of really good for, you know, knee arthritis, uh, knee issues, um, kind of list goes on and on. Um, you know, 
uh, I always send, I send Matt over my, my uh, requests for getting access to a lot of articles because I don't, I don't have, I'm not on a university style lab or university style, like, like hospital. So getting those, those articles, I appreciate that help, Matt, you know, you, you send those back over and I hope it's teaching you some things too along the way. Yeah, it's hard because, well, we have access to all the stuff, but I mean, here at the university, we don't do a lot of regenerative procedures um, and platelet-rich plasma is probably, or PRP is probably the most popular one that's been coming up. And I was reading a couple of weeks ago, there's some new criteria for, um, you know, tennis elbow or epicondylitis, basically saying that after, you know, you put them through therapy and, um, mm -hmm. you know, like just some basic stretching stuff that the second line treatment should be to go straight to the uh, PRP instead of the uh, corticosteroid, which is what we use now. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely becoming a lot more popular. Um, Amy, are you doing any of this, uh, any PRP? Yes, yeah, so I did quite a, quite a bit of it in fellowship. Um, but now I find the, the major barrier to it is that it's, it's not covered by insurance. So where I did some of my training, the kit cost about 200 bucks. So I was doing quite a bit of it because people would pay for it. Whereas now it's pretty hard to get people to shell out a thousand bucks for an injection. Mm -hmm. um, when, especially when it's not like a, you know, quote unquote guaranteed fix, you know? So um, I know they just hired someone for, uh, for my health system to kind of head up this regenerative medicine kind of project. I think I believe he's an orthopedic surgeon. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I, it's something I, have seen work well and i would mm -hmm. like to do more of it it's just the the system that i op, you know i work in is the cost is a bit of a barrier yeah and that is a barrier but here's the thing lasix isn't covered by insurance either and it works um you know there's no guarantees in any part of medicine and that's why it, it's you know the orthopedic surgery model is an old antiquated model it has to be structurally your body has to look right to function right that's that's not true i know each one of you have seen somebody who's come in with with a joint that looks awful and they're complaining about the other side you know or they're you know they're, they're not even not even complaining about the structurally you know, just awful looking knee or structurally awful looking shoulder right it, it doesn't have to look normal to function um, your body's resilient your body has resilience and, and that's really kind of the, the you, know, what, what's, you know, what's the secret, secret sauce there that people need to understand. Um, but, it, and like you said, Matt, it, it you know, it works. Uh, it, it works and it, it has a, a you can, there's a lot of studies that showing that it has a higher success rate than steroids, than anything. I mean, like then surgical intervention, you know, the retear rate on orthopedic, on orthopedic uh, rotator cuff repairs 50 percent i mean uh, you want to go do an orthopedic shoulder shoulder surgery and then have it tear 50, you know 50 percent of the time one out of two i don't know i mean that's that's something to me that kind of you know i would try to go uh my pun is that regenerative medicine is worth a shot because at the end of the day i'm using your body's own cells to try to help heal yourself and i'm not i'm not doing any harm at the end of the day now you go and do it uh, put a you know, you put a uh, anchor in a shoulder, you go in, uh, you cut out, do a, do a distal clavicle resection, you do any of those kind of things, you're actually doing physical harm to the body. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I've seen such, you know, good results. And, and I know when I, you know, I can't help either. So, you know, that's really kind of the biggest thing um, that I, that I see. So I think that, oh, you know, oh, go ahead, Amy. So how, how important is is the rehab process that's attached to it because i mean the 
I find I've found that you know the, the injections are only good as 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 good as the follow up that that comes after as far as you know people rehabbing it well. So when people invest in in a regenerative process, in a regenerative procedure, you know it's a, it's more than just the injection the day of, which sometimes also is another barrier to getting people to buy into it because mm -hmm. it's like they just want the quickest fix, right? So um, how do you kind of get what's what do you see as the role of rehab in that? Oh, without a doubt, we have we have our protocols for each of the things that we would see people for. So if we have a small rotator cuff tear, we have a stepwise protocol that we take people through uh, from about zero to three days. You're just really managing the inflammation because you have new inflammation that starts the inflammatory cascade. Then from usually days three to day uh, two weeks, you're, you're doing a lot of isometric activities. I'm talking like walking through like, uh, you know, essentially kind of a small tear in the rotator cuff. Uh, you're going to do some isometric activities. You're going to do some range of motion, just make sure they don't get a frozen shoulder because that, that is something that can happen and can derail the rehab process uh, of, the, of the treatment. And then, uh, you know, once you hit these, uh, these milestones, then you go to the next ones. And then it, it, absolutely, you, you definitely need a, a solid rehab process uh, to, to follow that up. And, and all our, all, I mean, 99.9% .9 of my patients are getting therapy prescriptions because, and working with therapists that I trust, because at the end of the day, there's, there's good therapists, there's bad therapists. And that's, and that's in anything. There's, there's a lot of people that, uh, you got to have to work with, um, you know, to make sure that, that it's a team process and, get, and getting the person back to doing what they love. So. Ryan, can you talk about, so when we say regenerative medicine, it's kind of confusing, I think, for people. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, which they take your own blood, right? And we centrifuge it. Can you just talk about the basic different types of treatments that you do and just give people an overview of, yeah, you know, what's PRP, what's BMAC? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So platelet-rich plasma is essentially concentrated platelets where you take out, you don't want red blood cells in there. That's what most, most studies are showing that for joints and for tendons, you wanna get rid of the red blood cells. So you, you spin down the plasma and then you get this, it's an amber looking layer that that's where your platelets live. And so you you concentrate those platelets and our, our group and company, the reason that I'm with Regenix is because of our, our really consistency and, and, and ability to replicate our treatments because a regenic, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, like I said, we talked about the variations in this field. There's so many different people doing different things, that kind of stuff, but the regenics protocols keep it kind of together. So we have platelets and then we have uh, bone marrow aspirate concentrate. So you do a bone marrow aspiration. And this is a big thing right now, especially because there is, there is supposed to be an FDA crackdown on the, the wording and the things you say because it, it's in, if it's in the practice of medicine, it's okay that, that I'm, I'm doing a bone marrow aspiration, which is where uh, your mesenchymal stem cells are found. And when we concentrate that, we get the buffy layer and the lipid layer, and that's where, that's where the, the real science of the things happen, and you re-inject those into the areas that need it. And then there's also microfragmented adipose tissue, which there's a, there's a very large brand name, Lipogems, that a lot of people are using. Now, as long as you're using within the same surgical or the same procedure, it's within the scope of practice. There's a lot of kind of rules and things that you have to go through and make sure you do it on the same day. Uh, there are some umbilical and placental tissue products out there, but they beware, they are not stem cell products. They are, uh, a lot of people are getting FTC, uh, you know, cease and desist letters because they're advertising it as such, and that's not the case. So 
Um, those are kind of the main, the main players. Really, everything kind of started with prolotherapy, though. So, uh, you know, uh, Matt, Amy, I think you guys are familiar, uh, you know, Dr. Gidney and Dr. Hackett, they started in the 1930s uh, doing essentially sugar water solution to cause low-grade inflammation in the body. And what that does is recruits the cells to come back and, and help heal the body. So that's really what's going on at a kind of a, a cellular level. Um, there's, uh, so, so does that pretty much explain that? Did I miss anything? No, I mean, that's perfect. And we do actually a, a good amount of prolotherapy here um, and have been able to get it covered by insurance, which I was going to mention about PRP too. The better quality research studies that come out, a lot of this stuff is going to mm -hmm. probably end up being covered. Amy, are you doing any prolotherapy? Uh, not as much anymore. I used to do more of that during training now, more PRP between the two. Mm -hmm. Training, we also did some BMAC lipogem stuff, but it was sort of at the time more kind of new, newer so a few cases here and there so how does like somebody decide which one of these treatments they get are you the one that decides that or does the patient come seeking a certain treatment ron yeah so great question so depending on what you know my, my job as a, as a clinician is to make sure that i'm staying on up on the literature and, and doing this for you so you come to me i'm gonna give you my opinion what is the best evidence-based medicine treatment for your condition and that also relies a lot on, uh, you know, also my experience with this. I've done this for over four years now. And, you know, it's something where uh, we, we have a, lot, a large registry that we, we put our patients in. And there's, uh, there's a Regenix uh, kind of like a guidance where, hey, listen, this is what you're looking at. This is why we're going to do this. Um, so, yeah, so that's really kind of uh, going to a skilled clinician who knows what they're doing. Uh, that brings me to a really important point is that making sure that this is all done with guidance and it's not palpation guided. Uh, there should be some sort of ultrasound, uh, number, at least an ultrasound, and if not fluoroscopy as well to do these procedures, because if you're going to, if people, and, and I know I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, sell to some people because, you know, they do have to pay money out of pocket for this most of the times. Our company is the one that actually is getting some insurance coverage through large uh, self-funded insurers. So places like Marine Max down here, uh, ABC Wine and Spirits. Um, there's like, a, you know, um, John Deere up in like Iowa is one of our biggest, uh, you know, one of our people up there, Meredith Corporation. But all this stuff happens. So, so making sure that you do these things uh, the right way and they're done right. So the person gets the best, best quality treatment. Another thing to, you know, I think there are a lot of sort of misconceptions about what it means when you have stem cell treatment because people mm -hmm. read about it and mm -hmm. there are a lot, there are FDA regulations as to what a stem cell, quote unquote, stem cell is and can and cannot be as far as, you know, what's allowed for a procedure here versus overseas. And you know, people read mm -hmm. about, you know, like Kobe Bryant went overseas and got a stem cell procedure. Can I get that done here? Can you kind of clear that up as far as when we say stem, stem cells here, what that means versus maybe what they're doing in Europe? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, we, we can, we, we, so we can do pretty much everything that they can do overseas except for culture, the cells. And so stem cell, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a very hot topic. Everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to mention that. So we, you know, we're, we're kind of leaning away from that because of the FDA right now um, and saying it's more bone marrow aspirate concentrate where we get your mesenchymal stem cells from, um, which is then spun down and that's where we utilize that. So um, in the United States, bone marrow aspirate concentrate is the, the only source that is within the FDA's guidelines on how to get 
uh, bone marrow stem cells. Now, if you can, if you can do strom so stromal vascular fraction is something where you use collagenase to break down adipose and that releases your body's inherent stem cells. Now that's not allowed in this country because that has to go through three phase clinical trials because you're making a drug. You're actually changing the substance and you're, you're going outside minimal manipulation. So minimal manipulation is a big term for things done in the United States. Now, um, and then there's also the MFAT procedure, which is not a stem cell procedure. It is a, it is a minimally manipulated fat graft technically. And those, those have to, they can't have collagenase, uh, broken down. Like I said, because it's, it's becoming, it's making it uh, a different substance and that, that requires three phase clinical trials. And, uh, nobody's done that to this, to this time yet. Now there are, are a couple of studies that have been done on stromal vascular fraction through an IRB. And it is very promising and it does get really good results, but those are the ways to get things. Uh, now overseas, uh, overseas. So, so we have a Cayman Islands location uh, with Regenix and, and unfortunately they haven't been open this whole year because of the COVID pandemic, but that's where we would do, we do cell culture. So we'll, we'll actually, um, it's not cloning, but you're going to manipulate, you're going to replicate the cells. And that's, that's what's not allowed and done in this country either. So um, you can get a very high quality, bone marrow aspirate concentrate where where your stem cells come from treatment here in the united states i want to make sure that everybody understands that because the only only podcast that's talked about this is the joe rogan podcast and they brought on um uh, riordan uh who's in who's in uh, costa rica and he's a phd and he's hiring other other pas to do he's hiring pas and people outside the country to do these injections and they're doing ivs and they're doing crazy stuff down there that has very very little clinical backing and it's very very dangerous i mean if you want to go do that and spend 27 grand you know you know go do it but here in the united states these these procedures should cost under ten thousand dollars and and depending on where you live and they they do they do have great 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 results uh i mean um I, i've sent over a few things uh, like i said to matt and uh with with bone marrow concert for rotator cuff tears and and all the things that uh you know um uh, ACL, so percutaneous ACL. Um, uh, we, we have a, a pretty good study that showed that you could help uh, heal an ACL tear uh, through a percutaneous injection into the ACL, uh, grade one, grade two, and grade three non-retracted. So, um, but no, that's 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 the kind of stem cell justice that was that good. I mean, I mean, yeah, because I think people, you know, you know, the everyday kind of consumer will read about stuff. And mm -hmm. they, they come and ask, they ask me about it. They come in and say, oh, well, I heard about this uh, stem cell thing. And, you know, should I do that? And it's someone with like end stage arthritis who's reading about something that we don't even do in this country. So it's like mm -hmm. having to break down exactly what they were reading and what's actually can be done. And mm -hmm. there's sometimes some some misconceptions that go around, especially with what is about things like, like was the Amniofix, you know, these like amniotic products that are products. Yeah. So no, great question. So, so those, those amniotic tissue products, they are, they are growth factors and cytokine products. They're not stem cells are, are um, not only our labs, we try to take it into the lab. We're like, Hey, this would be great. You know, we can get something off the shelf that has, has a uh, really, you know, live cells. We weren't able ever to get live cells out of these products. So I, I think one of the biggest things to take away here is, you know, don't let a chiropractor, you know, hire some sort of nurse practitioner or PA to inject you with uh, blindly with with uh, an amniotic tissue product and call it a stem cell product and charge you ten thousand dollars. I've seen that, 
And it's not going to get you, it may get you some results, but it's not going to get you the results that I think, you know, we can consistently demonstrate with, with our treatments. And I think that, that you guys can do that. I mean, that, that you've seen in those treatments, I'm sure you've seen, uh, if you were doing it in your um, fellowship and residency, you know, I mean, like that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen very, very good results. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's something where you just make sure it's being done right. Right now, there's a, there's a big uh, Medicare rack that's going on trying to uh, claw back money from Medicare for people who try to build these as stem cell treatments. It's a Q code that people are trying to build. That's an interesting little tidbit. Um, did you know about that, Matt? No, but I want to clarify something you said because it's super interesting. I've been watching videos where celebrities will go down to Miami and they'll just be in this random office and a guy will walk in and just like shove a needle like in their neck with no imaging whatsoever and just inject. And what Ron's talking about is using like an x-ray machine or an ultrasound machine. And instead of getting like an IV for the stem cells, we're going right to the joint or area that's injured. You're visualizing it and then you're putting the medication locally right there versus, you know, getting these IV infusions or somebody just sticking a needle in a random spot where it hurts, right? Mm -hmm. That stuff is super unsafe. And that's what gives people, I think, this horrible perception of stem cells, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Amy, I mean, I, 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 she probably has a story she wants to tell about that too. I, I was watching her shake her head and smile. I mean, yeah, you've seen, I've seen, um, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's a, not a, a universally standardized procedure and sort of many, there are many people who kind of have their hands in their pot, in the pot calling themselves like stem cell providers or whatever, you know, and it, and that's where it gets a little waffly and that's why it's hard. So like I work within an orthopedics department, so I'm the mm -hmm. only physiatrist in that department and they, you know, they kind of poo poo the whole regenerative thing because they look at people like that and they say, well, that's all BS, right? Like, you yeah. know, um, but there, there's not a lot, there's not necessarily good understanding of, you know, the, the, the proper formulations to use, how important very targeted guidance is, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of myths to break down. Yeah. So Amy, so you're, you're skilled with, uh, ultrasound, correct? Yep. That's what I do. Yeah. And, and Matt, you are too. Um, yeah, I mean, not, not, I mean, not that's, that's our, that's our tool. That's what we use every day. Right. Uh, and, and, an orthopedic surgeon, they're, they're very good at doing surgery. They're very good at using a scope. They're very good at doing those types of procedures and they, they, I don't know. I mean, so, so one of the, one of the uh, best guys who I, I follow is a friend of mine. He's going to have me out to Vegas to teach for his orthosono course. Um, Don Buford, uh, he's out of Dallas. Um, very, very well-respected orthopedic surgeon, but he also, he's also one of the, on the forefront of regenerative medicine and he sees and knows really where, you know, he he's, uh, he's just phenomenal at what he's, what he's doing. He's just trying to make sure that people uh, don't have to, you know, don't have to have a crazy, you know, orthopedic surgery. And, and I don't know if you guys see a lot of foot and ankle stuff, but I've started seeing a lot of foot and ankle things recently that people are doing some crazy surgeries. And I'm like, why, why, like the posterior tibial tendonitis and there, there's some like, and, and there's like a like some podiatrist who like cut the tendon in half and did all this stuff. I'm like, what, what, what are you guys doing? You know? Um, I mean, above all, we took the Hippocratic oath to do no harm and that that's causing some issues. So um, that's kind of my, my thing there. Yeah. It's, I think it's difficult for patients to, to know who to go to when they have an injury, you know, they don't know, they think that, 
Uh, maybe if they have a shoulder injury that they should go right to surgery when really there's like physiatry and sports medicine and stuff that they can see mm-hmm. first. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the thing you mentioned where people will come in with a joint that's bothering them and you may take an x-ray um, and there may not be that much damage, but another one of their joints has a ton of damage and they're not complaining about it. So, you know, in the medical community, we know that the image findings don't really correlate with the pain of the patient a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's something that's important to keep in mind when you're going to see somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you decide who's the right candidate uh, for a procedure then? So, so yeah, so great question. So uh, a clinical exam, Matt, I mean, like you, you put your hands on a patient, evaluate the patient and, and, and you know, not, um, I, I think I just saw this recently was uh, William, Sir William Osler said that the, that the, uh, look at that quote, look at that, pull that out, uh, said that the patient will tell you, will tell you what's wrong with them if you listen, right? So you take a good physical exam, you, you know, and that's, that's the, the benefit of my practice is that I don't have to see a thousand patients, you know, like, or like, I don't have to have, I don't have to have to see like 45 patients a week because I, I get time to listen to the patient, hear them, give them a quality physical exam, do a diagnostic ultrasound on them. If the, if that it's warranted and really identify the pain generator or where, where their kind of their, their, their pain or their dysfunction is coming from. Is it something with their gait? Is it, you know, look up and down the chain too. Don't sit there and just, um, you know, don't sit there and just, you know, look at the problem. Make sure you're looking at, hey, is this person that got Pes planus and, and he's also got a knee issue or do they have weak glutes? And that's how, I, you know, that's how I've been able to incorporate, you know, the sports medicine side of things. Uh, a lot of time, you know, a lot of times my patients, you know, if I see, if I'm seeing them for some like knee arthritis or something, something like that, they've, we've had imbalances for years and, and definition and sanity is doing the same thing over and over and expected a different results. So if you don't change their gait or their function or their form or help tell them to, you know, work on their, their post-procedural protocol, like you were talking about early, um, you know, you're not going to, you're going to, you're going to help this for a little while, but it's not going to be a long-term solution. Yeah, I think that I'm, I'm happy you mentioned that because obviously, uh, Amy and I, as physiatrists, our main focus is literally, you know, physical exam and clinical correlation. And sometimes people can take the imaging a little bit overboard. When people come to you for procedures, um, or let's say you're going to do a PRP or prolotherapy or BMAC on somebody, is this a one-time thing or how many times does that need to be repeated usually? Yeah, great question. There's actually a lot of, there's a lot of studies that are looking at, oh, do we need to do, you know, multiple set, spread out injections? Right now, my, my, my goal is always to try to get the person to, the, they're a realistic improvement. I'm not set, sitting there going, hey, listen, you're going to have 100% improvement. 100% of time works every time. Uh, I usually go based off of our data and our outcomes so that we can look at that and go, hey, this is what realistically on average, we're seeing for this type of condition, because it's, you know, not everybody's gonna respond. And everybody in medicine knows it's not everybody responds the same way to everything. And there's a lot of different differences. And that's why it's, I really think it's a personalized approach. And you gotta make sure that you take the time to identify by physical exam and the things we just talked about to really identify where the pain or where, where the issue is coming from, and then, and then help, help that condition. So uh, I hope that answers your question. What, I guess what, um, like, for example, say someone comes to you with uh, like a partial rotator cuff tear, what, 
like rough estimate, how long are you looking before they can participate in activity again and in some kind of you know reasonable way? So great question, because I had I had a partial uh, subscap tear and uh, uh, slap tear, and so uh, I like to like since I have personal experience with this, my colleague did my treatment. Um, it was the interstitial subscap tear and it was a, a slap tear, and so I was back doing um isometrics doing all those kind of rehab protocols i was i was moving around doing things in this kind of range of motion uh, at about like four to six weeks um i i we don't we don't like people being in slings too long uh slings are something that i don't i don't really advocate for uh, for too long uh because I, I feel like people's shoulders get sticky then and then they you know they don't move it and that 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 bursa will get super, super angry under there. So um, usually I would tell a patient I'm looking at 12 to 16 weeks is when they would be, be back to uh, that's where I was. I, I was doing everything I wanted to do at 12 weeks. Um, but you know, that, that's really the kind of uh, the, the time frame that I tell patients for like rotator cuff issues. How about for like, what kind of ACL treatments are you doing? Like on what, what, severity of ACL injury are we, are we, are we talking about? Yeah. So um, that's something that really advanced imaging has helped us pick up more of, you know, somebody feels unstable, but they don't have a complete tear. They got a partial grade one, grade two, and we we've have seen some success in grade three non-retracted tears. And, and that's going to take uh, make, you know, you're looking at a 1.5 T or 3.0 T uh, MRI. So that you can really kind of see those thin slices um, to see if that's, that's something you can see a lot of times getting a good relationship with a good MSK radiologist can help too in, in your, in your community for the, for any docs, uh, you know, make sure that they, they've looked at enough. I mean, I, I look at all my own images, but that's, uh, it's also good to have, uh, you know, it makes you feel warm and tingly inside. If, a if a radiologist gives you that same kind of, um, same read back, you know? So, yeah, so, um, that, that's the, the study. Yeah. It was grade one, grade two and grade three non-retracted. Um, and I'd have to pull it up. I don't, I don't like, I don't like misquoting things. So, um, I believe it was a 70 to 80%. I look, it's, it's a 60 patient study. Um, can we pull it up? What did they put in the ACL? So what we, what we put in the ACL was a bone marrow concentrate. So we, we use bone marrow concentrate. Um, let me look, let me look at that. So, yeah, so, uh, percutaneous. I actually did some of these ACLs with you at that could ever workshop, Ron. Yeah, not, a, not a hard injection to do. We use fluoro. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's technically a pretty, you know, if, if the ACL is intact, right? So you may have very, very thin fibers and you're trying to get into that fiber. So um, the 77% uh, of patients treated with BMAC injections into the ACL showed significant improvement, P less than 0.01 in objective measures of uh, ACL integrity at an average of 8.8 .8 months. The mean of, of last patient reported sim improvement was 72%. At an average of 23 months post-treatment, mean scores were found to be significantly different for the MPS at 6, 18, and 24 months. Um, so in, in symptomatic patients with grade 1, 2, or even th grade 3 tears with, min with minimal retraction, ACL treatment, percutaneous injection, BMAC, and platelet products. So with BMAC and platelets together. 
Wow, that's interesting. Do you guys do them both at the same time? So, again, it's a very, uh, in, uh, it's in the practice of medicine. I inject, technically inject, I inject the BMAC and then the platelets. I usually do platelets first to kind of get some adherence and then do the, the BMAC. The two most common, well, two of the more common things that I see on a day-to-day -day basis are arthritis and, you know, lumbar disc disease mm -hmm. of various mm -hmm. kinds. So what, um, what kind of six, what kind of procedures do you do for those things and what have you seen it being most effective with? Yeah, great question. So, uh, knee arthritis, uh, our, our, um, our outcomes are pretty good. Uh, so I'll tell you that, uh, you know, uh, grain, um, one, so Kellengrain is so grade one arthritis. Uh, how do you say that? How do you say that? I forget that. Kellengrain Lawrence. Yeah, there you go. Uh, grade one, uh, I, I would look more for PRP, plate rich plasma, uh, grades two, three, and four, I'd, I'd look more towards the, the bone marrow concentrator MFAT at this point. Um, MFAT's been shown to do, they, they, they really have about a, um, I think it's about 50% improvement in pain and function uh, is what there is what's been, been being seen. Um, that's, that's not our studies. That's actually, uh, Ken Mottner and Robbie Bowers. Um, they, they just had a couple of really good studies come back up there, uh, in Emory. Um, so, that's, that's what I would look at for knee arthritis. Um, and, and I, you know, I even talked to, uh, you guys know, uh, the, the name Jerry Malenga, he's written a lot of books on ultrasound. Um, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you, you may have a few of his books. Um, he's with New Jer Jersey regenerative medicine. And, uh, he, you know, I, I, I ask him some things sometimes because I, I've got his email and it's a fun time to ask somebody who's done a lot of this stuff. And, uh, you know, his, his, protocols for the knee arthritis is just really just inject fat into the joint. You know, it's, it's, I, I do a lot more precision guidance with like, I try to get really on the spot of like the thinning of the cartilage and, and, and areas that I try to, but you know, he's just doing it and that's, that's what they're seeing. Now I can tell you that our outcomes are about, I see about a 60% improvement in pain and function in our registry. Uh, we actually got uh, the Regenix award for uh, best outcomes as a group. So, um, just tooting our home horn, uh, but um, but no, it's 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 good stuff. Uh, you know that's what I look at knee arthritis. Now lumbar spine, uh, there there have been a couple. I'm not I'm not really up on the the pain medicine journals, but I know my colleague uh, Nadios Papas. Uh, he he showed me some protocol um, with uh, with with platelet rich plasma and platelet lysate for spine issues. Uh, so that's something that, that, uh, I'll, I'll inject a high concentrated platelet rich plasma into facets. Um, if somebody's got some facetogenic, some, you know, axial lower back pain, um, if somebody's having some ridiculous symptoms, platelet lysate has been shown to do, do really well, uh, for, um, for disc issues, um, especially if the annular, te annular tears, um, you know, high intensity zones. And then, um, if you really get crazy, or if somebody's a younger person and, and has a you know really bad um, annular tear, they're, ha they're having a lot of symptoms with coughing, kind of like um, sitting down doesn't they don't like sitting down for longer than thirty minutes. Um, so any of those kind of disc tears and with a, with good height, you can actually do a interdiscal injection with uh, with bone marrow concentrate. Um, Greg Lutz up in up in New York, he's he's a guy who's uh, really 
done a lot of, he does a lot of PRP just for that interdiscal stuff. So um, that's, and that's showing really good results too. So um, that, that's where I would go with all that, but we, we do a lot of, it's a lot more than in the injections. Um, are you doing, are you doing a lot of uh, spinal stuff? Me personally, I mean, I don't, I don't do like um, lumbar injections, but oh, I see don't. a lot of, no, I, I do, do I pr peripheral joints, but I don't, I don't do like epidurals. Okay. Yeah, we do. I do a ton of epidurals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like what you, you bring a patient in, you do one epidural and they're out one epidural, they're out a couple of facets, they're done that kind of thing. Maybe an RFA. Yes. <laughs> Medial branch block a lot of day. Yeah, so I think people are hesitant because the intradiscal stem cells is something that I mean, in a, in a university setting, I haven't seen. I know there are some people doing it. Um, and you're saying, so people will use PRP and BMAC for that? Oh, so people will use a lot of, a lot of PRP just for the facets. And, and uh, I, I, listen, my, my standard back procedure is about 10 to 15 injections uh, for lumbar spine. I'm, I'm usually hitting L4, L5, uh, L5 S1 facets. Uh, bilaterally, a lot of times get hitting that, getting in that capsule, making that capsule stronger with PRP. Um, if they're, if they're symptomatic, you know, that, that, that really helps with that arthritis in those small little facets. Um, uh, also doing a, typically a TFE, maybe at L4, L5. Um, and you know, like I, I like the caudal, I like the, the caudal a lot with, with lysate really gets all those lower nerve roots. Um, and it, Listen, uh, if I can get a 50, 50 to 60% improvement in somebody's back issues that they've been having for years, they're extremely, extremely grateful and they, they, they love you forever. So, um, you know, I mean, there's no silver bullet to back issues. I mean, I'm sure Matt, you know that I'm sure you, Amy know that if I like our approach, cause we also hit the multifidi muscles too, um, which can sometimes be atrophied in some older, the older population, um, which there, there's some, some evidence-based medicine that shows that if you hit those muscles, you can get maybe a little bit of a little stimulation of those to help gain a little more stability. Um, so, you know, I really like, I, I, I love this, the spine. I like working with spine patients because they're, they're usually, they've usually done a lot. Um, and they've already, they've already seen a lot of people and they look at their face at either getting a cage or their face to getting some, um, some crazy back surgery and they don't want to. And if, you know, if you can help them and get them, you know, one patient, she hadn't slept for two years overnight through the night and we did a procedure and she slept for, she's been sleeping since. So, um, it's good stuff. Yeah. One thing that I think is confusing about the stem cell treatments is, um, so you're talking about people who have, uh, you know, kind of advanced stage arthritis in some of these cases, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what is the mechanism of how the stem cells work then? Because they obviously don't restructure the, the joint if they have severe damage. Um, are they anti-inflammatory or how does it work? Yeah. So initially, obviously they're causing new inflammation, right? And there's a really, really, really big study that just came out from Philippe Hernigau and looking at, uh, you guys want to pull us up. It's a really good study. It was done from 2000, 2005. It was done on 60 patients. It looked at injecting BMAC into just the joint or actually injecting BMAC in, uh, into the subchondral bone. And in this study, he did 10, I believe it was 10 CCs into 
the if it was like you know how when you guys see a lot, you guys see a lot of knee patients i'm sure you know one side usually the worst side for their knee it's usually like the medial side that's what i see most of uh, there are some people with lateral it depends on their gait and obviously how they're, they're they're built and that kind of thing but um this study looked at just injecting bmac into the subchondral bone on the 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 worst side and found that four out of five patients would avoid a knee replacement at 15 years with just, just injecting into the bone, um, which is crazy. I mean, so it, so it's, I, I, I'm doing, you know, so when, when, when you're seeing all this and you're hearing all these things, right, you want to do the best for your patients and you want to get them and they want longevity. They, they, they want to be able to use their knee. They want to be able to do things. They don't want to have to get a knee replacement. Um, and then, so, you know, uh, it's making the, the knee healthier. That, that, that's, that's the best way I can, I can think about it. Um, it does cause initial inflammation because at about three months is where really the kind of rubber meets the road with these treatments. The patient comes back and they're like, doc, I, I, uh, I usually have them, I usually have my patients come back at six weeks and then I have them come back six additional six weeks later, which would be about three months. And usually by that, that six weeks, they're a lot of times they're feeling pretty good. They're not feeling great yet. But then at, at about, um, you know, 12 weeks they're they're what would you do? Like, cause my knee feels great. You know, um, it, it's something where, you know, we're making the joint healthier. We're putting growth factors and cytokines in there. It's recruiting all your body's growth factors and healing cells to the area. And, and that's what it's doing. Uh, you know, I, um, I wish I was there on the histological level and, and able to look at that, uh, go down and get with a good old microscope and figure it out who works and who it doesn't work for, because then that would help me out a lot. But, um, so yeah, I've incorporated that a lot going, going into the bone for certain treatments for people with bad, really bad OA. I think that's also like another point just to, that's another kind of misconception is that like you'll reject this idea that mm -hmm. these injections can like rebuild the cartilage that's gone. Yes. There's nothing that can do that. If anyone knows of that, they'll be very rich, but absolutely. that's not a thing that's possible right now. No, no. And, and that's, and that's really why it's, it's really why you need to go to somebody who knows what they're doing with this and make sure that they're following the research and not sitting there going hundred percent of the time works every time the, the snake oil salesman who's sitting there trying to tell you that this is, this is a fail safe, no surgery is hundred percent. No, there's nothing, there's nothing that's hundred percent in medicine. Um, you know, when anybody says hundred percent, I always get very leery of, uh, what they're saying. Yeah. Excellent. So Ron, I think this has been a good overview of regenerative medicine, what patients can do, where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about this? So, yeah. So, uh, my handle on Insta is at love health doc. You can shoot me an email at Ron T R O N T at regen R E G E N Tampa Bay dot com um definitely uh hit me up there uh you can find us our regentempbay.com website um look at look up all the stuff that i'm talking to you guys about um but yeah no i'm just grateful to be on here and be able to get some time with you guys it's good catching up you know i get to see you guys and and hang out